Welcome to the Men's Health Matters Podcast with Sorted's Steve Legg and Dr. Ken. Tell you what, Dr. Ken, these three weeks to four weeks go very quickly. It seems like only yesterday we were chatting about mental health issues. Absolutely. They fly past, fly past. How you doing? I'm great, thanks. I'm great. How are you? I'm doing okay. Are you keeping off the sausage rolls? I am actually, yeah. I've been I've been really strict about it. So um yep, yeah, I'm uh, I'm doing okay. Yeah. Do you know what I'm very proud of myself. I was saying to my wife Becca last night, I don't think I've had a bag of crisps for two months. Well, there you go. Well done. Well I done. love a bag of crisps. I love it with a pint of water, but there's nothing like it. Well, you know, everything in moderation, I think. So the odd bag of crisps is probably okay. Yeah, but I, I haven't missed it. So that is really good for me because I could have a couple of bags. And what I love doing is tipping in a little bag of cashew nuts and shaking it all up and having that together. Doesn't that sound that like a treat? Like, that sounds like an absolute treat. Yeah, I might try that, actually. Do you know what? When you're down, because we are seeing you when you come down for the big church festival, yeah. we will do that. Yeah. Let's yeah. throw the boat out. And uh, yeah, we will have crisps and cashew nuts. So, Doc, spring has sprung. We're all yep. feeling better, aren't we? We're all feeling happier. Yep, we are. We are. Definitely. Longer days, walking yep. along the beach. I'm very lucky living next to the ocean. Walking along the beach is good for the soul. It certainly is. It certainly is. Is there anything we could be doing preventative-wise as spring is here? Are there any vitamins we need to be thinking about? I've just started taking vitamin D, which was suggestion of my oncology team. Okay. Um, vitamin D, we normally would recommend you take over the winter. Um, they did tell me to, to take it every day. So I got a, a, right. a bottle of 365 okay. so for okay. about a fiver. That's so that's fine. brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. The, the problem with living in the UK is that we don't get enough sunlight or sunshine over the winter months. So we'd normally recommend people take vitamin D from sort of September to March. Okay. Um, you you you're not going to do any harm by taking one a day every day for the Forever. whole year. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it's coming into sort of hay fever type season starting, so just being aware of that. Um, ticks, that's the other thing to watch if you're out for a walk in the... Do you expect uh, those on dogs, but not on people? Oh, you know, people get them, people get them. Sheep get them, deer get them, uh, dogs get them. Uh, but if you're walking and you're off the uh, the path then you've got to be careful with it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, very yeah, helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So anything you really recommend for hay fever? Um, antihistamines are probably the uh, the mainstay. Antihistamines, um, if you need to move on from that, then it's eye drops and, uh, and a, a nose spray. Uh, but take them regularly. Don't kind of wait until, oh, I'll wait and see how I get on. Take them regularly throughout the hay fever season. And it, it depends what you're allergic to because the different pollens come at different times in the season. There's tree pollens, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah. Listen, you stagger me always with your knowledge. How do you know so much? <laughs> uh, I just keep try to keep on top of things. Keep How do you keep on it. top of things, though? Well, I mean, I see people all the time. I see people pretty much every day. And, and, and you know, hay fever is a common thing at this probably slightly later than than early april end of march but uh yeah so you get you, you just you just know um common things are common one of my one of my favorite phrases we like that do you yeah. get do you get weekly emails from the bma or drugs companies saying this is this new super drug we need to make you aware of it um it, we get uh, regular correspondence from various pharmaceutical companies i 
tend not to even read them because it's um, a sales pitch essentially it's a sales pitch yeah they're trying to get you to uh, to use their new very expensive product we've got fantastic pharmacy input certainly in in, in the area i work um and they they're very good at keeping us up to date with with stuff or changes in in, in medication yeah and I have noted lots of TV adverts. They're obviously spending a great deal of money on this about people speaking to your pharmacist. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, pharmacies are, are a fantastic place. If you you know if you're not if you're not quite right, you think I'm not quite sure what's going on. Go and see the pharmacist. The pharmacist will often be able to say, "Yep, I think it's such and such. Try these." Um, if it's a lady with an uncomplicated urinary tract infection, most pharmacies will now be able to treat that without any prescription. Um, yeah, there's lots of lots and lots of things that they can help with without actually making any contact with uh, with the GP. Brilliant. Here we go with another great episode. Now this is a good one. Big issue: prostate stuff. Yeah, prostate health is probably the more technical way yeah. of describing it. <laughs> yes, I was trying to think. What will I call it? Prostate, prostate, <laughs> prostate health. Yeah, let's go with that. It says it yeah. all. It does. Um, it's it's something that's. It, I mean, it's not a new thing, um, but fortunately, it's becoming more. Um, yeah, talked about more. More people coming up, coming forward, saying, you know, celebrities in particular, saying, "Well, I've I've got prostate cancer," and it's actually now much easier for for men to talk about it. So it's, it's back to that old thing about yeah. men and their health and not keen to talk. Because it's, of course, um, yeah. it's not embarrassing for you. It's embarrassing for us, and it shouldn't be. So I've got a yeah. few questions here, Doc. So what is the prostate? So the prostate is a little gland. Um, it's Only men have one. So um, it, it's worth just, just probably saying that. It's dead obvious, but sometimes the obvious things are worth saying. So, yeah, it's, it's a little gland that men have. It's about the size and shape of a walnut. Um, it's it's in your nether regions. It produces a sort of thick white fluid, which, when mixed with sperm, um, it produces semen. Um, and it's something that men have and ladies don't. So what's the main cause of an enlarged prostate? So the, by far the commonest cause is, is what's called benign prostate enlargement, which is just a, a, a non-cancerous enlargement of the, the prostate gland. Um, it's it's increasingly common with with increasing age. So when you get to over fifty, um, most mostly one in three men will have some symptoms of an enlarged prostate. So what does removing it mean? You can still have sex, can you? Um, you can. Yep. Yep. Um, can you still father babies? Uh, it depends on what you have done. Okay. Depends on what you have done. You've you've jumped right to the very end. Of- oh, I do apologise, Doc. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> yeah, so it's symptoms. Uh, probably worth talking about symptoms so that so that the guys know what what am I looking for, what my what, what should I be concerned about. So, the symptoms of an enlarged prostate are you you might be up during the night two or three times, which you weren't before. It's a bit dribbly when you go. The stream's not particularly good. Uh, you might actually find that you dribble after you've been for a wee. Uh, you're going more often than normal, or you feel like I just can't, feel, just don't feel as if I'm emptying my bladder properly. Mm. Um, so those are the things to that if you've got them, uh, and you're over fifty, or even if you're under fifty, then um, you know, come and speak to me. Come and speak to your GP. So I know urinating often is is a is a key uh, early warning sign. But how often yeah. is often? 
Well, it'd be more often than you would be nor- than you would normally. Than you so, if you're up a couple of times a night normally, then if you're yeah. up four times, that is a sign, perhaps. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, possibly. Um, most guys, you know, most yeah, most guys wouldn't normally be up regularly overnight. So, if you are, you know, if you if that's now the norm for you, then it's probably worth getting your prostate checked. I am a big drinker of water, though. You see, I'll have five pints of water in the evening, Doc. Well, that's probably why you're up during the night. Then. Well, exactly. <laughs> what about the one thing you've not mentioned that I jotted down? What about blood in urine? Yeah, that's a much more concerning um, symptom. Um, that would be uh, that would be ringing alarm bells for for us as GPs. But uh, if you've got blood in your urine or blood in your uh, in your semen, we need to see and we need to be investigating that. That's that's an absolute. So make an appointment quick. Yeah, yeah. So the hundred million dollar question: When people come in to see you, what are the options? Yeah, because so, I we all know about the finger, and I'm intrigued to know as a young as a young <laughs> doctor how you practice such things. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, that's uh, the good old days. Um, yeah, so when you if you come in and you or if you've got those symptoms, you're there. I'm going to go and see the GP. Um, I I would be asking you lots of questions to to go through the various symptoms that that you may or may not have have realised. Um, I would examine you, examine your tummy, um, and just make sure there's there's nothing else going on. I would ask you to bring a urine sample with you because I would want to check it for for sugar because one of the okay. potential reasons that you might be peeing a lot more or up during the night is that you may have developed diabetes. As I or found the... 10 times a night, my world record, yeah. before I was diagnosed. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, or you may have a urine infection, which might cause that. So, yeah, we want to make sure we're, you know, we're, we're excluding other things. Um, and then we would, we would be organising blood tests um, to check your kidney function and to check the the PSA, which is the the blood test for for the prostate. And uh, yeah, we would be wanting to examine your tail end. Can you not just have the blood test? No, the blood test is uh, is not sufficiently uh, sensitive. Um, you do get um, positive, uh, sorry, false positives, and you also get false negatives. So there are lots of different things that can cause a raised prostate, uh, a raised PSA. Um, if there's any infection or inflammation there that's not cancerous, that can cause the PSA to be up. Uh, and indeed, if you've got a normal um, PSA, there's, it doesn't exclude prostate cancer. So that's a false negative. So your PSA test is normal. One in seven people with prostate cancer will have a normal PSA. So tell us about the examination, because we all joke about it. Yeah. We all hear stories about it. Yeah. Have you had yeah. it done yourself? Uh, I have, actually, yes. Yes. It's not very pleasant, but it's not painful. I mean, it's, it's, you just have to kind of suck it up and get on. Um, what is involved I, then, Doc, for people who don't know? Yes. So it, it involves, um, my, I've got a friend who's a urologist. He calls it the gentleman's handshake. <laughs> um, can, I don't know what kind of gentleman you've hung out with, but anyway, <laughs> um, yeah. So it's um, one is usually the the index finger um, wearing a glove um, and some gel just to to lubricate things, and then you you pop your finger in, 
and you're feeling for the size of the prostate and the consistency of the prostate. You, it should be uh, nice and smooth rather than craggy or, or lumpy. Um, and regular size, presumably. Yeah, regular size, but the size of a walnut. So as a medical student, how do you practice these things? So, you, yeah, you do. You, well, it, it's a long time since I was a medical student and things have changed. There are lots of um, demonstration things now. But, uh, yeah, you used to. It would be a case of you would you would do it and your your consultant would uh, would check as well. So, On a yeah. patient? On a patient, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not one of the ones that you do on your colleagues. Well, no, I wasn't thinking that. I wonder if if people if he was on a dummy or something. Yeah, like anatomic nowadays, Annie, when you do your mouth yeah, to mouth. Nowadays, they have they have all sorts of uh, dummies and whatnots for doing various procedures. But um, in my day, you know, black and white telly and whatnots, then uh, <laughs> you didn't have those back in the day. So back in the day, yeah. who's most at risk? So uh, uh, of of prostate yes. cancer. Yeah, so prostate cancer is um, increases in the risk increases with increasing age. Uh, it also increases if you've got family history, so a brother or father. Um, it increases depending on what um, a a where you're from. So if you're a, a black man, um, then you've got a higher risk. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, then. Yep, and if you're Asian, your risk your risk is actually lower than uh, Caucasians. So, wow, and you can't obviously can't change that. Those are those are things. N- none of the fe- none of the risk factors are uh, are really um, changeable. So it's it's about just being aware of it, looking out for symptoms, and if you have symptoms, come and get tested. Mm. Um, there isn't a screening program. Uh, in the same way as, you know, there's bowel screening program, breast screening program, uh, cervical screening program. There is not a screening program for uh, prostate cancer because there isn't a reliable screening test. Sure. Um, and uh, as, as we talked about earlier, the, the PSA is not reliable enough to, to make that exclusively the, the thing you uh, you do. Um, so, yeah, if you've got symptoms, get it checked. And checked. don't think the worst, get it checked out. But if it is something serious, what sort of treatments are we talking about? Yeah, so prostate cancer, I mean, it's never good to get a cancer diagnosis, but it, it's one of those ones where actually it's it, it's not it's not the end of the world. Mm. Um, a, a lot of men with prostate cancer die with it, but not die of it. Sure. Um, and it's usually something else that they die of. Um, so it depends really on the, the 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 type of cancer and how aggressive it is, and that's that's a histological. That's something that the laboratory will look at and the specialists look at, and then they they grade it, and you get certain grades and, and stages. So would yeah. would chemo be involved with with this chemo sort of cancer? Is, is not usually involved unless it's spread and it's and it's 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 quite advanced. Um, often it will just be um, what's called watchful waiting or active surveillance, mm. where you you simply get your blood checked on a regular basis, and you and they track whether your PSA is going up or down, uh, or indeed whether you have any other symptoms. 
Um, you can get um, various hormone therapies, which uh, essentially reduce the amount of testosterone in your body or how your body responds to testosterone. Um, you can have radiotherapy um, or you can have what's called brachytherapy, which is where they actually put the, the radioactive stuff in the prostate itself. Um, or you can have surgical uh, surgical treatment. Uh, there are various other newer newer treatments, but they're not widely available um, and not not routinely established yet. The one thing to avoid is um, you should not be having um, homeopathic treatment or herbal treatment because they do not work, and it's dangerous to go down that road with them. Do you know? I was going to ask if there are preventative things we can do so we don't get prostate cancer is there any lifestyle choices we could be making um i think generally being being healthy so if you're very overweight then you know you're more likely to get these kind of things so you want to be um trying to be fit healthy good balanced diet it's it's kind of fairly simple obvious stuff um there isn't anything specific that you can do to avoid getting prostate cancer if you've had uh, if you've got a benign prostate enlargement, you're not any more likely to develop prostate cancer than if you don't have the benign enlargement. So it's important just to maybe to make that point for for guys that you know, oh gosh, I've I've got benign enlargement. Mm. Does that mean I'm going to get cancer? Well, you're no more likely to get cancer than anyone else. And living with cancer, a lot of people a lot of people survive that and go through it and live long lives anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's yeah, this, it's one of the ones. I mean, it's never nice to say it's uh, good news. A better one, prostate <laughs> yes. cancer. Yeah, um, it's but it is one of the ones where there are some people obviously who get a very aggressive form and 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 it's quite an unpleasant um, illness and, and and death. But for for a significant number, it's it's about just managing it, keeping it under control, and getting on with your life and um you know just not not being held back by it it's very interesting i had a phone call from my mate tommy a few years ago found out he just got prostate cancer Mm. and then a subsequent phone call saying good news i'm 70 they've told me it'll take 20 years to kill me so they're not going to do anything exactly yeah that's and that's the that's the thing about you know dying with it not dying of it um which is a really it's quite an important message for for guys to uh, to hear because everyone, as soon as you mention cancer, you know you shut down. Start planning the funeral. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Check your uh, check your policies. Get your funeral plan out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you know what, Doctor Ken? That's been really helpful, and I'm sure that's going to bring a lot of hope to fellas. So once again, just run through those early warning signs. Yeah, early warning signs are um, weeing more often than normal during the day and up at night. Um, if you find that your the stream is a bit dribbly or not so good, if you find that you're having to strain a lot, uh, or indeed you're you're dribbling after you've been for a wee, uh, and you're feeling just yeah, I can't feel it. I don't feel as if I'm emptying my bladder properly. Then those are the things that would suggest your prostate is enlarged. Um, if you've got any blood in your um, blood in your urine or blood in your semen then that's that those are significant alarm bells and and you need to get that uh, get that checked so it's a phone call to the gp get in yep. there yep 
Uh, get in there, have the examination. Clean underwear. Lab test, clean <laughs> underwear. Yes, please. Shower before you come. <laughs> Absolutely. Nothing worse than smelly. <laughs> and it's yeah. over in seconds, is it? It, it, it literally takes 30 seconds. It's 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 unpleasant. Nobody particularly likes it. I've never had anybody saying, oh, gosh, that was great. Can I have another <laughs> one? In a few months. No, you can't have another one, no. Um, yeah, so it's unpleasant, but not painful. And I don't know if it's worse having a female GP do it or a male GP. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one because um, yeah, I, I work with two female GPs um, and and you know, I'm not there in the surgery every day. So if someone needs to be seen and examined, then it's one of them. In the same way as if I'm seeing a female patient um, and doing an intimate examination, you know, we're, we're all extremely professional. We're doing what we do because we, we know what we're doing. And you have someone with you to chaperone. The guys tend to come and see me. The ladies tend to go and see them, and that's fine. I'm comfortable with that. It's not a problem. Fair play. So last words, Doc, of wisdom to guys maybe a little bit worried, not sure. Maybe they are sure. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Don't don't uh, don't be afraid. Come and see us, and uh, let's let's help get to the bottom of it. <laughs> I like and, it. Uh, gosh, that was a. That I was see what you did there. Yeah. Yeah, get, get get it checked. Get it checked because it's it's not necessarily bad news. The vast majority of causes of uh, prostate symptoms are benign causes, and even if it is something more sinister, it's not likely to kill you. You're you're more likely to die of something else. Good. In your old age. Don't think the worst, and there's plenty of hope, even if it is. Absolutely. Yeah. We like that, Doc. Thanks a million, as ever. You know, in a few weeks, we've got Nick Speakman, the life coach therapist. You'll have seen him on morning TV. He's currently with his wife, Eva, on Celebrity Hunted for Stand Up to Cancer. They're doing a great job. That's on Channel 4, Thursday nights. Uh, Absolutely brilliant. I was interviewing Nick for my other show the other day, and he said I'd love to come and, and chat with the guys because they were saying of all the people who spend time talking with them about phobias and all sorts of issues, 90% are women. Yeah. 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 It's, it's that whole thing about mental health and, um, you know, phobia is just one of the, one of the different issues that, uh, that the mental health issues that we struggle with. And we all so, have the yeah, same brain. Guys. We all have the same yeah. brain. We just Absolutely. need to talk about it. Hence this podcast. Yeah. Thank you, Doc. We'll see you soon. No problems. Catch you next time on the Men's Health Matters podcast with Steve Legg and Dr. Ken. Until then, stay happy, hearty and healthy.